John chapter 7, verses 37 to 44. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. When they heard these words, some of the people said, This really is the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ. But some said, Is the Christ to come from Galilee? Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the offspring of David and comes from Bethlehem, the village where David was? So there was division among the people over him. Some of them wanted to arrest him, but no one laid hands on him. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Today's word is going to be half preaching, half teaching. So I'm going to encourage you guys. Please, to please get out your phone or a notebook. Better to write, you know, than take notes because I'm going to be teaching uh, a lot today. And there's going to be a lot of scripture today. Uh, thank you, Heather, for reading scripture for us beautifully. I'm just going to go ahead and say the title of today's sermon. The title of today's sermon is Come and Drink. Come and Drink. Okay? This week is Chuzok. The Chuseok week, this Tuesday more specifically. But this week, um, it's going to be a... Chuseok is normally supposed to be a time of Thanksgiving. It's Korean Thanksgiving. It's a time of rest. It's a time of reflection. It's a time where we gather together, we stuff our mouths, we spend time with family. And it's a time to rejoice. It's supposed to be a joyous week this week, and I hope and pray that everyone does have a joyous week this week, despite what's going on against our battle against uh, this pandemic that's going on. Last week, on Sunday, one week ago, according to the Jewish calendar, it's been a very holy week for our Jewish brothers and sisters. On Sunday, it was a special day called Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. Okay? Um, It was, according to the Jewish calendar, it's the New Year's. It's the day where the year refreshes. And you might have seen on social media, um, probably pictures of, you know, apple and honey. And then a, a phrase on there in Hebrew that says, Shana Tova. Right? Shana Tova. Shana Tova means good year. It's a statement of blessing saying, hope you have a good year. And the apples and honey, what does that mean? It's funny because uh, in the same season, I recognize that um, in Korea, I walk around, I see these trucks that sell kurzhagwa, uh, <laughs> honey apples. And it's interesting because apples represent prosperity and fruitfulness. And honey represents sweetness. So during Rosh Hashanah, people go around saying to one another, Shana Tova, saying, hope you have, I pray that you would have a 
sweet and prosperous year. It's a year where there is a reset, where we get to, where we get to have a clean slate. Okay, Jewish people, it's a time where they kind of press the reset button and ask for a clean heart. Ask for a clean heart. Uh, three days later, which is a Wednesday, this past Wednesday, was another holy day. And this day was called the day of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur. And this is the Day of Atonement. It's a more somber day. It's a day of repentance and reconciliation with God. And Yom Kippur originated, do you guys remember when Moses, he went up to the Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments? And what was happening? The people of God, instead of waiting for Moses, they turned to idolatry. They turned to worshiping this golden calf. And they turned away from God. Remember, Moses came down and he was angry. He was livid. So he threw down those Ten Commandment tablets and he broke them. So now Moses is frustrated. He's like, ah. He goes back up that mountain. On top of Mount Sinai. And once again, he receives a new set of the same Ten Commandments. And when he comes down, the new set of the set of tablets represents a clean slate. A clean slate given. And how the Lord leads the people is this. They would, each year, they would get a goat. And the priest would lay their hand on the goat. And the sins of the entire nation would be imputed onto that goat. And that goat was killed. Sacrificed to atone for the sins of the nation. This is the day of atonement. And this happened this past Wednesday. It's a time of repentance where the people of God would literally receive a fresh slate. And so that's what they believed. So, this past week, it was a very holy week for the Jewish people. It was a time of remembrance. It was a time of reflection. It was a time of repentance. And it was a time of reconciliation and restart. That's a lot of R's right there. (laughs) A lot of R's right there. I'm going to say that again. This past week for the Jewish people, it was a time of remembrance, reflection, repentance, reconciliation and a restart okay now that was this past week but guess what this holy week is actually not just one week but two weeks did you know that starting tomorrow is actually another jewish holy day according to the jewish calendar this week is actually what we call The Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot. The Feast of Tabernacles. Starting tomorrow, for one full week, the Jewish people would have what we call a week of... Another word for this is the Festival of Tabernacles. Even in the Bible, we see here and there different words for this week. I wrote here, the Feast of Tabernacles. Another Another name for this is actually the Feast of Booths. The Feast of Booths. And another word is Sukkot. Okay? That is this week. And 
For this whole week is a time of celebration, great joy, and a time of remembrance that God is granting us a new year. Now, why do they celebrate like this? What is the point of this week of the Feast of Tabernacles? Why they do this is this. They are reenacting, another R, (laughs) they are reenacting what their ancestors have gone through in the past as God led them through the wilderness, as God delivered them from slavery, led them through the wilderness, and God had provided in miraculous ways. They are reenacting the time in the wilderness during the Feast of Tabernacles. Why are they doing this? It is remembering the past. Get this. Remembering the past to affect and realign the Jewish people to live in the present. Remembering God's faithfulness. Remembering the miracles. Remembering how God led their ancestors. And bringing that into their present day. Okay. Why am I mentioning all this? The Jewish calendar. You know, Rosh Hashanah. Yom Kippur. Why am I talking about this week of Sukkot. I'm not only talking about it just to give a little teaching for us to be aware of the Jewish calendar. I'm not only talking about it because it's this week. I'm talking about it because this is the backdrop of the scripture that our sister Heather read today. In John chapter 7, what is going on to, to paint the context is this. The Feast of Tabernacles is happening this week. Okay? Let me just paint for us more detail of what's going on. Jesus is in a place called Galilee. Jesus is in Galilee with His disciples in the beginning of the chapter. And for the Feast of Tabernacles, it was tradition for the Jewish people to make a pilgrimage and travel to Judea, Jerusalem, home base, to the temple. They would do a pilgrimage there to do this festival together. And then the disciples coming to Jesus and saying, Hey, Jesus, it's time to go. Let's go to the festival. But Jesus is saying, Now's not the time. I'm not going to go. You guys go ahead. You guys go ahead. Why is Jesus saying to his disciples, you guys go first? It's because right now, there's so much tension going on. Jesus has become a man of controversy. His teachings, his ways, his miracles has put a spotlight on him. And so many religious, religious leaders are conspiring to arrest him and kill him. A lot of tension in the air. And Jesus is saying, you guys go first. And then about midweek, about midweek, of the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus goes in. Jesus goes into Judea. He goes into the temple and He starts continuing. He continues to teach what He teaches on the kingdom of God. And that's where we are right now in verse 37 as Heather read. I don't know if you caught the detail. It says, it starts off like saying this. On the last day of the feast, the great day. 
Okay? Read that again right there, on your own. On the last day of the great feast, the great day, meaning the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? Jesus speaks this bold statement. But let's pause right here. Let's pause right here, okay? Let me give you some more teachings first on the background to help us understand this passage a little bit more. This week is the week of Sukkot. And for the Jewish people, they do a lot of rituals, symbolic rituals this week. And a lot of these symbolic rituals, it's happening in the backdrop of this timing in John chapter 7. And I just want to give you a little bit of historical background, okay? The first thing that the Jewish people do this week is they set up these booths, okay? These booths, and Sukkot actually means booth or a, like a little tent, okay? And they said, I'm going to show you a picture right here. This is um, just the picture of what it looks like, okay? The, if I can get the VB team to kind of show the, the picture of the booth. All right, there you go. Um, this is a picture of what the square booth looked like. And the Jewish people, they would set this up, okay? Because this is what the tents looked like when their ancestors were traveling through the wilderness. So they would set these things up, okay? And why did they do this? It was a reminder, it was a reminder to say that God, His presence was with His people. His presence was with His people, Okay, And it says here that God, He dwelt among them. From where you are, can you say the word dwell? Dwell. He dwelled or He tabernacled. Another word for that. He tabernacled among them. So this week, the Jewish people, they are reminded of what? They're they're reminded of God's leadership and His presence with them. Okay? The first thing they set up is the booths. The second thing they do, okay, every evening what they do is what we call the illumination of the temple. The illumination of the temple. Okay, this happened in the evenings because in the evenings it's very dark, right? And what they would do, they would set up these four huge menorahs or huge lamps. And what they would do, they would light it up and they would literally light up the night and illuminate the temple. They would do this every night. And in this night, it was a celebration. People were dancing. They're playing the lyre. I don't know what the lyre looks like. I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know what the lyre looks like. They're They're playing the cymbals and playing all these instruments. What does this represent? This light represents they're remembering the pillar of fire, the light that God provided to guide them through, to guide their ancestors through the wilderness, through the night. So they're remembering God as their guidance. Okay? Another thing that they're actually, this actually symbolizes is the Old Testament scriptures, many times they prophesy, they prophesy saying that God is going to send what we call a great light. God is going to send a great light. Light, a promised great light 
to shine in this sin-darkened world. So they're remembering how God guided them, but they're also looking forward to this great light. You guys know what this great light is. They're waiting for their Messiah to come. Now this is where I want to focus on, not these lights, but the next thing they do. The next thing is actually, is they do this thing called a water libation. Okay? This water libation. And what this is, is every morning, this is really cool guys. Stick with me here. Every morning the priest, he would go down to this pool of water called the pool of Shiloam. Okay, the pool of Shiloam. Oh, I miss Jim Jibang. Okay, anyway, sorry. All right. They would go down to this pool of Shiloam, and the priest would get this golden jug, and he would fill the jug with water. And as he comes back, he brings this golden jug up to the temple. And behind the priest is a procession, it's like a parade. There's a bunch of people following him. Okay? And as they are marching up to the temple, every day the priest, he would get this jug of water and he would pour it onto the altar as a drink offering unto the Lord. Alright? Drink offering unto the Lord. Alright? So here's a picture here of, you know, the drink offering unto the Lord. But check this out. The procession behind the priest, as they're marching up, they're doing two things. They're holding this interesting piece called the luvav. Can everyone say luvav? Luvav. Now, it's a fruit, a citrus fruit, and a concoction of three different, um, three different branches, including the palm branch. So they're waving it, kind of like a wave offering. They're waving it to the Lord. And guess what? The people in the back, this whole time that they're marching, they are reciting what you call the Hallel. Okay, can we all say Hallel? Hallel. Not Halal, like Halal guys, but <laughs> Hallel. What the Hallel is, it's Psalm chapter 113 to 118. Psalm chapter 113 to 118, they're reciting this, declaring who God is. They're waving this luvav. And this luvav, it represents their whole being. It represents their, their heart, their strength, their eyes and their lips, their whole being. They're worshiping the Lord. And they're declaring the halal. And the priest, he goes up and he pours this drink offering. Does this every day. Now check this out. I said, what did I say? I said that they are reciting the Hallel. And as the priest is pouring out this drink upon the altar, let me just read for us Psalm chapter 114, verse 7 through 8. This is what they're chanting. Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turns the rock into a pool of water. The stone into a spring of water. As they are reciting this, what's the point of the, the, the water being poured out? The people of God, they are remembering the God who provided water in the wilderness. 
Remember, as Moses struck the rock, water came out miraculously, and God provided them a source of life. They are remembering that. They're remembering the rock, the water that God provided. As they're saying this, this scripture here. Okay. Another reason that they are pouring out this water is they're actually remembering the rain that God provided the previous year. God is the one. You are the one, Lord, who, have, who has provided this rain so that we can grow these crops so that we can live. They're attributing this to God. Thank you for providing this rain. And also, moving forward, would you continue to provide this rain? So, first reason the water libation was happening, remember the miraculous way that God provided water in the wilderness. And the second way, to remember that God provided the rain. And the third way, the third reason and symbolic reason about the water libation is, let me read for us, remember, another part of the Hallel is Psalm 118, 25 to 26. Get this. They say, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, let us thrive. Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. Do you remember when Jesus first came into, you know, first came into Jerusalem? He came, you know, not first, later on, He comes in a donkey and they're waving what looks like luvavs. They're waving the palm branches and they're declaring this, Blessed is He who comes in the name of the Lord. You see, when they're pouring out the water, what they are saying to the Lord is they're expressing their longing and their thirst, their desire for a Messiah to come and deliver them. Another way we can understand a thirst that is being quenched, what it means for them to be satisfied is actually to be saved. To be saved. To be delivered. So as a priest is pouring out this water, and they're saying this halal, they're saying, Lord, our land, our people are thirsty for a deliverer. Let him come, Lord. Let him come. So to sum it all up, in these rituals, the making of the booths, right? The illumination of the temple, with the lights, and the water libation. In essence, what they're saying is this. Lord, would you be our life source? This is what's going on this week, guys. Be our life source. Be our provider. Be our refreshment. Be our salvation. Lord, like the booze, like you did in the past, would you be with us this year? Dwell with us. Lord, like you guided them with the pillar of fire, would you guide us and be our light this year? Lord, would you sustain us? Would you save us? Would you satisfy us, Lord? And we can only be satisfied when you come and set us free. That's, that's a lot to take in. That's what's going on this week. That's what's going on in the backdrop 
of today's scripture reading. So all this is going on. With all this in mind, let's go back to the text. It says that Jesus enters the temple... And on the last day of the festival, the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus goes up and he does this mic drop statement. He says this crazy statement. He says this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the, as the scriptures has already said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And he says that the living water is the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Guys, the water libations are going on. They're crying out for a Messiah. They're crying out, come satisfy us, Lord. They're saying, thank you for guiding us and providing Yahweh. And Jesus, he enters his temple and he says, if you guys are thirsty, come to me and drink. And when you come to me and drink, out of you will flow rivers of living water. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the scene with me, guys? Imagine the uproar of this statement. Imagine how the religious leaders felt. Who do you think you are? They're doing these signs. Even this week, guys, in Israel, as the Jewish people, they're doing these rituals. They still don't know that Jesus is the true living water. Jesus is the one that they are longing for. They still don't know. In this verse, it says here, as the scripture has said, Jesus is saying, you guys know the Old Testament scripture. You guys know in the scripture that there's supposed to be some type of satisfying water that God will send. I just want to remind us real quick. We're going to read a lot of scripture today. Prophet Isaiah, God spoke to Prophet Isaiah and said this, For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. Prophet Joel, he said in Joel 2.28, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. And your young men shall see visions. Here Jesus is saying, Guys, you know the scriptures that it said, God told you guys that the spirit is going to be poured out in the form of symbolically water satisfying your land, satisfying your people. And you guys are still waiting for this great water. But here I am. In essence, here's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying this. I am the one you are crying out for. I am the one that provided water in the desert. I am the rock that was struck. And that the Holy Spirit will be poured out. 
I am Him. I am the Messiah. I'm the one you're longing for. I'm the one you're thirsty for. These rituals that you're doing is because of me. I'm right in front of you. I'm the one to quench your soul. I am the Redeemer of Israel. I'm the one who led you through the wilderness. I'm right here, guys. I'm right here. It's interesting, even in the future, Apostle Paul, he says in 1 Corinthians 10.4, he says this, They all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Even Paul says that the rock in the wilderness was prophetic and symbolic and, and, and symbolic in saying that that rock that was struck is Christ Himself that was struck. Let this sink in. Understanding these traditions, understanding this context, doesn't it shed a whole new light on reading a passage like we read today? It's no longer just, Lord, would you satisfy me? You're the living water. Of course it means that. But it means so much more than that. It means Jesus. Now we want to pray, Lord, this week, would you open their eyes that they would see that they're talking about you, Jesus. They're talking about Yeshua. Heather read for us chapter John chapter 7. Guess what happens? Guess what Jesus says after he makes that mic drop statement about being the living water. In chapter 8, he does another mic drop statement. He says this. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said what? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Come on. What's going on this week? What's going on in the backdrop? Remember, they're having the illumination of the temple. I can just imagine. After Jesus says, I'm the living water that's satisfied. I'm your only savior. I'm your only life source. I'm your only hope. I can imagine as the sun is going down, they're lighting up the menorahs, lighting up the sky. And Jesus is like, I am the light of the world. I am your guide. You know, earlier on in John chapter 1, he says, he says this. It says that Jesus, He was the Word that became flesh who dwelt among us. He was the Word that became flesh who tabernacled among us. So remember, Jesus dwelt among us. Jesus fulfilled Remember, they set up the booths. Jesus is the light of the world. And Jesus is the living water. Brothers and sisters, this is mind-blowing. This is powerful. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for us? For the Jews, we pray, open the eyes of their hearts that they may see you, Lord. But for us who follow Christ, for us who have Jesus, for us, for us who have who has received the Holy Spirit, what does that mean for us? 
I'd like to read for us Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. God says, For my people have has committed, God speaks to Jeremiah, My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewed hewed them out cisterns. Is that how you say Hewed. Hewed out cisterns. Broken cisterns that can hold no water. He's saying they have, for the Jews, they not only, they don't even recognize Jesus as the living water. They have turned away from God Himself and they have depended on themselves. They have turned to idols, to the Asherah poles, to the Baals, to the Moleks, different idols. They have turned away from Christ, turning to these different gods to try to satisfy them and provide for them. God is speaking that to the Jewish people. But to us, I feel such conviction Because we have Jesus. We have tasted and seen. We have felt that refreshment. We have drunk from the well of life, haven't we? But guess what? We also turn away again and again. We also make these broken cisterns, these different places to try to satisfy our souls. Guys, I'm reminded, few chapters before, I'm reminded of the woman at the well. The woman at the well, she comes, and Jesus says, you know, Jesus says to her, where is your husband? You remember? And then she says, I ain't got no husband. (laughs) And Jesus said, you're right, you have five husbands. (laughs) She's like, how'd you know? And then Jesus says what? Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. The water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. You see, I had this revelation two years ago and it really impacted my life. The woman at the well, you see... These five husbands, she was going husband after husband after husband after husband to tell her who she is. She was allowing all these different husbands to give her her value and her identity. And Jesus was saying, why don't you stop going to these different husband after husband after husband to determine who you are and come to me, let me satisfy you. The Lord spoke to me. There was a time when I was just going through so much darkness and anxiety and hardship. And I read that passage and I felt as if Jesus was telling me, stop going to your different husbands. Husbands being all the things, the people, the, 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 you know, all the, you know, the jobs or my job, you know, or other people, or how other people see you, or different cultures, these different husbands that try to shape who I am, try to shape my security, try to give me my peace. The Lord is saying, turn away from those things. Come to me again. You stop drinking from me. 
You stopped drinking from me, and you started to what? You started making your broken cisterns. These temporary satisfactions that cannot satisfy. That cannot satisfy. So my point to us, church, this week, as we remember and think about what's going on this week, I ask you, we must stay hydrated. <laughs> we must stay hydrated. Guys, we need to turn away and repent from our broken cisterns. I don't know how the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you today, but what are those five husbands? What are the broken cisterns that we need, we need to turn away from? And we need to go back to the fountain of life and drink and be satisfied once again. What does it mean to drink and be satisfied in Him? When I think about, guys, we just got to be satisfied. We sang it today. Let the Lord be our one thing. Let Him satisfy us. A couple things come to mind. And I, I, I hope that this helps you. The first is to, of course, be in His presence. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Spend time with Him. Let that intimacy satisfy you. Let that intimacy bring you peace. Yes, of course. But another way is to remember, guys. Remember how Christ saved us. How He satisfied the penalty of sin. Remembering our salvation. Remembering what Jesus did. That satisfies our souls. You know, a lot of times we want to get into His presence, spend time with Him, talk with Him, and feel satisfaction in just being in a relationship, which is what we need. Yes. But we need to remember all that Christ has done for us. We, re we need to remember that He was struck, that we can have His Spirit. Another way to be satisfied is to repent and turn away, like I said, from the temporary things that give temporary satisfaction. And turn to Christ again. Remember His love for you. Remember how He sees you. Remember what He's doing in you. Remember that your name is Beloved. And how He sees you matters so much more. Your value is determined by what Christ has done and how Christ sees you. That is your fountain of life. And with that, when that's not secure in our hearts, we turn to these broken cisterns. So we got to turn back and drink. We're running this race called life. we got to stay hydrated, brothers and sisters. Second point. There's only two. Is according to the scriptures. Is number two. It says, "Be a well. Be a well. An overflowing well." It says, "Heather read for us, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water." It's not only being satisfied in Christ. It's not only intaking and consuming and drinking that Christ is inviting us into. Christ is saying, as you drink from me, you become a well. 
You become a well. Out of you will flow rivers of living water. What he said, remember to the woman at the well, he said, look, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, a well of water welling up to eternal life. What happened, guys? What happened after that woman drank from the Lord, had that revelation of Jesus? What did she do? She became a well. She went into town and kept testifying what she had experienced, who she had experienced, who told her who she was, that she doesn't need to go from husband to husband and husband anymore. And she testified and she started sharing about who this Christ was. She became a well, provided life for everywhere she went. My brothers and sisters, do people feel refreshed around you? Do people feel refreshed around you? Are you testifying from what you're drinking from? Are you testifying from who you are drinking from? The words that we share, the encouragements that we share, the scriptures that we read as we share these things, are people's souls being satisfied by being around you? Are you staying hydrated? Are you being a well? Brothers and sisters, we are called to bring this world, this eternally satisfying living water. When you go to a bar, when the hour is about to close, what happens? What does a bartender say? Maybe they say, last call. If you didn't know, good, good for you. <laughs> That's what happens, all right? I remember back in the day, all right? They say, last call. Brothers and sisters, there's going to be a last call. When no longer this living water will be provided, you and I are called to be wells, sharing about this good news. You and I are called to pray for the Jewish people that they may drink from the well of life and receive the revelation of Jesus. You and I are called to overflow this river of life to bring this message of salvation to bring good news to those who are thirsty and we know that this world is thirsty this world is very clear they're going from broken cistern to broken cistern to broken cistern church we're called to drink from him and be a well to this world come and drink is our cry to this world. It's our message to this world. Come to the feast. Come and drink. That's the message of our church, guys. The last scripture I want to say is this. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. It says, The Spirit and the Bride, the Spirit of God, and the bride of Christ, we are to cry and say, Come! Let the one who hears say, Come! Let the one who is thirsty come! And let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. That is our cry for ourselves and also for this world. Because brothers and sisters, the cry of my heart is, Lord, I am so weak 
Lord, I'm, I'm fighting against this sin nature. I know that you satisfy. I know I want to continue to drink from you. I know I want you to shape my identity, but I keep turning away, Lord. And I repent and I turn back to you and I drink from you again. Lord, I know I've only just tasted just a little bit. There will be a day I know when you return, when we will be fully satisfied all the time. There will be no broken cisterns. There will be no different things determining who we are. It will fully be Christ that satisfies us. I cannot wait till that day. But I will not just wait for that day. I will do whatever it takes to make Him, as we sang, our one thing. And this is the message that I pray that grows in our hearts, especially for our Jewish brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, according to Romans 11, we owe it to them. As Gentile believers, we are saved because of the Jewish people. Did you know that? Jesus came out of a Jewish line. Jesus was birthed out of a Jewish line. Brothers and sisters, let me just tell you. Romans 11 says, loud and clear, that the Jewish people right now, they have a a veil over their eyes. But it's going to be the Gentile church, us, that's going to provoke them to jealousy. They're going to watch us drink from the well of life and be satisfied. And they're going to be jealous. And they're going to be like, let me get some of that too because we've been drinking from the wrong places. I pray that God creates a longing in our hearts for the Jewish brothers and sisters to be saved.